You're listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. All right, welcome to another episode of the DIY Recording Guys podcast. I'm Vadim from Calm Frog Recording. And I'm Ben from Dreamloud Studio. What's going on, dude? Not much, man. Hold up in the house, got some snow, although it's nowhere near as bad as you guys from what you were just telling me. Man, yeah, we, we've been slow on banter. What does that say about our lives? It means we've been busy in our studio caves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we did. We got a ton of snow today. I went out in the morning to do some shoveling, and the snow was like that um, pristine. You know, they call it like champagne powder, right? Mm, yeah. If you're a ski, oh, it was so nice. It was it was just like a light sand, and I was just throwing it around. It was great. And then, as always happens, it turned. It started to like sleet, and then the sleet kind of like compresses yeah the fluffy snow and then yeah. you just have this wet mess and we got like eight to ten inches so oh man that's a I, lot of snow um, yeah and i've told you before i like shoveling and i stand by that but i like it to a to a degree yes and today was uh today i reached that limit so oh man diminishing returns of shoveling snow <laughs> yes <laughs> yes i'm only human it turns out i thought i was a snow shoveling robot that developed consciousness, but no, no, I'm just human. So anyway, that's what I've been up to. A bunch of shoveling snow. Great. Yeah. <laughs> weak banter. Weak banter. Let's get weak. into it uh, before the crickets take over. So <laughs> I'm very excited about this episode. We've done a bunch of episodes on guitar tone, and I say in each of those episodes that we can do a hundred more episodes on we guitar could. tone. Absolutely. And <laughs> never, never run out of stuff. So this is going to be one of those episodes and we it's sparked by a comment we got let me try to find it from cameron davidson who's a friend of the show community member he's been a guest on the show do you have his question handy i know i sent it to you yeah i think i do i can bring it up here so cameron says i often struggle with describing guitar slash bass tones and i know there is a terminology for it uh, in example, creamy or chewy. He's heard those descriptors, but I don't really understand it. And I could definitely use an explanation. I think this sort of language can be really helpful when talking to a producer, or even just casually with friends, musicians about tones. So I, I love this question because I feel like this is something that us producers and recording engineers have to think about a lot because we're uh, we have to translate whatever an artist says uh, to us, like, I, w I want you to make my guitar sound like the way you feel, the way you would feel if your spirit opened up and flew across the surface of the Pacific Ocean. And so we- hear it now. Yeah, so we have, to, uh, <laughs> we have to translate what those words mean into how guitar makes you feel. So I love this question because this is the opposite way. Cameron has the interest of understanding maybe what this terminology might mean and some examples of it so he can help to understand us producers better. <laughs> so thank you, Cameron. Yes. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about it from that perspective, but you're right. He's, uh, he's trying, he's reaching out and that's, that's really nice. But I think this type of thing can also help you even if you're just by yourself. And, and the reason is that a lot of times having words or having, you know, the whole idea of language is having language for something or having a descriptor for something or a word for something helps you cement that concept in your mind. I'll give you a stupid example that just popped into my head. Mm. For years, I would get my hair cut a certain way and it never quite looked right to me in the back. Like my neckline never quite looked right. And then I would see other people's, I'm like, that's kind of what I want. But like, I, I couldn't connect the dots until one day somebody explained to me what a fade was, like a faded neckline. And I was like, oh my God, yes. Now that I know the word for it, yeah. I can recognize it 100% of the time. And I can also tell people that's what kind of haircut I want. And so I think this is that similar concept where like, if you can understand what we mean when we say a tone has bite or a tone is too honky, once you can understand what those words mean, 
yeah. sound like, then it's easier for you to identify it. It's like, oh, yep, that's honky. That's a great example. Now I want my own example, but I can't think of any. I'll I'll, I'll keep thinking <laughs> through the episode. I'll I tell you what, I'm, if you think of one, I'll edit it into okay. uh, right after my example. Okay. So it'll be seamless and the listeners will be none the wiser. Yeah, I, I know I've had that experience a lot with... um. Just words where you might hear them in conversation, and so you kind of know the gist of it from the context of the sentence, but when you finally look it up, you're like, oh, I finally, that makes so much more sense to me. Like, I thought I knew what the word was, but there was maybe this nuanced thing, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, unfortunately, as we always do, we're going to get into the weeds here, and I, you know, <laughs> I, you have some great examples that I'm excited to get into. I took it way back to ground us a little bit in some of the basics as I am apt to do. Mm -hmm. So and the first thing I want to talk about is just the need to understand this concept of harmonic content. And, you know, I had, I had this epiphany many years ago when I was thinking about the note A, and I'm going to play mm. some examples here. So here is a sine wave A note. Here's what it sounds like. And as I've told you, Ben, that is my high school uh, bell noise. So that is a very fond noise in my... <laughs> what a boring noise. <laughs> that was <bell>. terrible. <laughs> I, don't, I doubt that's still what it was, but when I went to high school, that's what it was. But check this out. So here is a piano playing an A note. Okay, so that, that's that. And actually, I'll play one more here. This is... It's not really an electric guitar, but it's an electric guitar sim, a uh, virtual instrument. Here's what that sounds like. And I remember thinking this one day, thinking like, okay, 500 hertz is 500 hertz. Why does a piano sound different than a guitar? Why can we tell that one of those is a piano, one of them is a guitar, and one of them is a boring old sine wave? Mm -hmm. The answer is harmonic content. These things are not equal. They have different frequencies stacked on top of the frequency that we hear, which we call the fundamental. So even though the fundamental is the same as 500 hertz, uh, there are other frequencies in there, harmonics um, and, and different orders of harmonics. Mm. And those different orders are what make instruments sound like themselves and not something else. And in fact, I did this little experiment here where I took that same 500 hertz sine wave and I just scooped 500 hertz out of it. Uh, and hmm. as you would expect, since there's no other frequency content in there, it should just get quieter. So let's try that. There's 500 hertz. Okay. There it's, it's scooped. So you can see it basically disappears as we would expect. But if we do the same thing on the piano, we get a different result. Here's what it sounds like on that piano. I don't have to play this twice because it's a short note. So here's without, and here's that same note with the 500 hertz, the same scoop I just did on the sine wave. Almost doesn't sound different at all. Yeah, it almost doesn't sound like it's a little bit thinner, but it's because we have all those harmonics. Yeah. In fact, our brains are so good at this, they can identify that it's still an A note. They can identify the fundamental frequency, even though I've removed the fundamental frequency pretty much completely. Yeah. I've taken 16 dB out. We can still tell it's an A note. So this is the first thing that's important for us to realize when we talk about uh, different amps and different amp sounds is that the information we're going to be talking about today and the tools we're going we're gonna to give you, unfortunately, will not let you make a Marshall amp sound yeah. like a Mesa Boogie amp. Those two amps do different things. They're different circuits. And you're not going to be able to get one to sound like the other just with the, the tips and tricks we're talking about. But you will be able to sculpt your existing rig into a different way and you'll be able to identify problems, uh, tonal problems that you want to correct if you have any. Yeah, I think that's a great primer for this episode before we dive into things. You pointed out a couple different things that are awesome. Um, one is that you know, music and instruments that we're used to hearing, even voices in real life, we are conditioned to hearing the combination of all these uh, harmonic overtones. 
that's normal. That's natural. And even whenever you played the simple sine wave at 500, that almost sounds artificial, synthetic, because it's so pure. There's nothing in, mm. in the real world that's that pure. And with the popularity of like dance music and ele- electronic things, you get more pure type of instruments. Uh, so I, I guess you could say that that is more common nowadays than it ever was before in human history. But there's still something in our brains that is just in touch with nature. And the real world out there just has... Um, these multiple harmonic frequencies like interacting with each other. And that's, that's like a very normal thing. And the second thing, so I'll say this real quick, but the second thing that uh, you pointed out too, was that we're very limited in sculpting something to sound like something else. Like we have a lot of tools that we can manipulate the way something sounds, whether that's adding harmonic content or taking it away. And that's a lot of what we're referring to in this episode when we talk about tonality and different descriptors, but we can't completely change its like genetic makeup and make it something different. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And even like you may be thinking to yourself, well, my friend has a guitar pedal that makes his guitar sound like a saxophone. And like, yes, but the way that's working is it's actually converting the guitar signal to digital. And then once we're digital, well, then we can basically, it's just like MIDI, like we can do kind of whatever we want. But you're right, Ben, like, there's no amount of EQ that's going to get a piano to sound like a guitar. This is not going to happen. <laughs> so the, I like what you, I like the way you said it there is that in, you know, reality is messy. There's nothing perfect in reality, but that's nice. We prefer a piano to a sine wave. I wouldn't want to hear Adele accompanied yeah. by a bunch of sine tones. Sine that would be boring. <laughs> and weird. Very weird. It would be very weird. We should try that. Um... Okay, so the next thing I want to remind people of from our guitar, previous guitar episodes, is just a quick summary of our possible distortion stages. I mean, much of the tones we're going to be talking about today are varying degrees and varying types of distortion. And so there's generally four places we can get distortion in a guitar pedal chain or a bass pedal chain or just a signal chain for that matter. Mm -hmm. The first one is the pedal. You can have some kind of pedal. That introduces distortion, if you remember from our gain staging episode. Uh, The second place is a preamp. We can drive a preamp really hard and get some kind of distortion. The third place is a power amp. The power amp is what drives the speaker to move, and we can distort in the power amp. And then the final fourth place is the speaker itself. You can actually get breakup in the speaker. And in general, we said we like to try to focus on one of these stages to be our main distortion stage and not try to get them if we use too many stages to get distortion things start to become a a blobby mess very rarely desirable the thing that jumps out to me is and i think it's true that you only want to introduce that distortion in primarily one place in your signal chain and and why is that and Mm. i don't know the exact answer as to why but i do know that if you have a situation where you have a guitar that's plugged into a high gain amp, so the preamp is already overdriven, if you click on a distortion pedal, yeah, you get another level of distortion, but it tends to sound really uh, scratchy and fuzzy, and here's some of these descriptors coming in already. But I wonder if it's because (laughs) you're introducing these, now you know more about the odd and even order harmonics, but it sounds to me like it's, you're having two chaotic sources of harmonics being introduced and they just don't play well with one another. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, I, I also am not an expert on this, but the way I think about it is if you picture like a clean guitar signal wave and it's going to have some kind of shape to it, and then if you distort it, it has a much squigglier shape. You're adding harmonics. That's literally what you're doing. And so like Eventually, if you keep on just shoving harmonics into this, you end up getting something that doesn't look like a signal anymore. It looks like noise almost. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what it's going to sound like. That's one thing I like to think about. And the second thing there is like guitar distortion is is like one of the heaviest forms of compression you can apply to a signal. And so like eventually you've just squashed all the life out of the signal and you don't have any more dynamics, so you can't really tell that you're picking notes or chords or like even in metal, if you like that chug, you, you kind of lose the chug. And so mm. you start to lose some of the things that are desirable to us about a guitar tone. 
Good point. Cool. So the next thing before to just to help ground us is I want to mention there's kind of I like to think about three different types of distortion and there might be more, but these are the three that I think are helpful for us to be able to distinguish and hear and I'm going to play some examples. So what I have, if I can find it here, I just have this little guitar DI signal. Mm. So it's got a little bit of chords and a little bit of chug. So here's what it sounds like. So that's, that's all I have. It's just a little DI. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to distort, but I'm going to distort selectively. So in the first example I play right now, I'm just going to distort kind of the low frequencies. And we'll see what that sounds like. See if we can, and this is where we're going to start getting into some of our naming and some of our characteristics and how we can assign words yeah. to concepts. So here's what it sounds like when we distort the low frequencies. So what are you using to distort? I'm curious. So I'm just using, uh, I'm just taking the DI and then I'm taking, um, I'm splitting the signal. So, I, or I basically yeah. have two signal paths for the DI and one is just the pure DI. And the second one, I'm just, I'm just doing a bandpass filter using an EQ. So I'm isolating the frequencies I want to distort. Mm -hmm. And then I just threw in a generic stock distortion plugin. Okay. Uh, th this is a good point. Uh, there's no like um, impulse response or anything like that. This is not an amped tone and it sounds purposely hideous. Um, what we're trying to do is just see if we can make things sound so extreme as to help ourselves identify some terminology here. So this isn't a true amped tone. I'm just throwing, I'm just distorting a band of frequencies. Basically. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Let me play it one more time here. Right, so it's obviously hideous, <laughs> um, but I just want to point out there that this is what's called typically like a fuzz type of distortion, and it kind of sounds fuzzy. I mean, it really does. This is like one of the most apt uh, or appropriate names to me in in the distortion world is fuzz. It just it kind of sounds fuzzy, right? Mm -hmm. It does. So I'm, and I'll tell you exactly what frequencies I'm distorting there. I'm basically doing a bandpass filter, which just means I'm filtering out everything except a narrow band that's why it's called band pass so i'm narrow um filtering everything except a narrow band around like 350 hertz okay so that's what those sound like and again that's typically when you when you see like a fuzz pedal or a fuzz effect you're getting a distortion of those lower frequencies and a lot of like classic rock or like not even classic rock, like oldies rock. Mm -hmm. uh, like the, the the first distortion pedal was, I think, a fuzz pedal. So you get a lot of that kind of like fuzzy uh, sound. First thing that comes to mind is British rock. Like not even mm -hmm. oldies, but just like across the pond. I don't know if it's, it, it's kind of cool to see like how tone is almost passed down, like genetics are passed down from humans. Uh it, you know, in a biological world, but um, in the music world, like that tone genetic has been passed down into those British rock bands. And so to me, when I hear fuzz, I think instantly like, you know, if we we're talking modern bands, I would say um, Muse or somebody like that. Yeah. Or like Arctic, Arctic Monkeys is yeah. another one where they use a bunch of fuzz. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So again, the point is not here to 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 get good tones. It's just to show us what happens. So this next one is a bandpass. Let's see. This one is right around like 700 hertz. Okay. So really like the mid range. We're gonna see what it sounds like when we distort that. And I'm gonna play these back to back. So here's here's that mid range distorted. Here's, here it is back to back with the fuzz. I'll start with the mid range and then switch to fuzz. Interesting. Yes. So this one to me, 
sounds like I would define this one as the crunch tone. This is like the Marshall kind of classic rock ACDC type aesthetic to me. What do yeah. you think? No, I, I agree with that a lot. It's at an even more basic level, just how I feel listening to it. I think this tone is scratchier and it's less pleasant than the warm fuzz we had before. But at the same time, there's a lot more definition in the notes. Like, I feel like I can hear the notes easier. Yes, agreed. And that's going to be huge when we start talking about uh, these, these different problem areas. And of course, another thing that's super artificial about these examples is that a real amplifier actually acts on the entire signal that's going through it. Mm. It just tends to emphasize maybe certain frequencies more than others. So that's why this is like super artificial because... The other thing you can hear is like, well, there's no low end in this one. It's like, yeah, because it's an unrealistic example. But the point is, if we can just spike out, like you can be like, you can recognize that crunch. Once you've heard it by itself, you'll be able to recognize it like in a Marshall tone or the next time you hear an ACDC song, you'll be like, oh, that's a crunch tone. Yeah. Cool. And the last one I have here is the upper mids, which again is going to sound really kind of janky and fake. But this one I did a band pass. It's fairly wide. It goes from like, 800 hertz up to almost like 6k okay here it is with back to back with the uh that crunchy one These two are kind of similar, so this example might not do it justice. I think what we play later is going to be more helpful, but that upper mid-range is what I think of when I think of metal. Mm-hmm. I agree, yeah. Like, aggression and attack and, like, nasaliness. <laughs> um, you get really, like, a lot of pick attack in there. To me, that's, like, the modern metal tone. Yeah, and I think also along with that... You also get distortion of some frequencies that are not very pleasant. And so that's that can be a problem thing too to deal with. Even though it's a desire it's desirable to have those frequencies distorted, but you have problems with them as well. You're absolutely right. And if you've ever tried to dial a high in a high gain tone, even with like good plugins like neural DSP stuff, you know that you're often fighting that fizz or that like yeah that like high frequency hiss and that's why it's because those amps are really pushing that uh edge of the frequency spectrum and we know we've talked about this a lot is that our hearing is super sensitive in that like 3k to 7k range and so if we get a little too heavy-handed sometimes that's called presence also if we get a little too heavy-handed in that range we can get a really kind of harsh and fatiguing tone. And that is something we're always fighting with with high-gain guitars. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, the next thing I'm going to... We're, we're working up to Ben's awesome-sounding examples here. <laughs> Don't hype them up too much. <laughs> they are good, though, man. I was listening to them right before we started here. So the next thing I want to do is kind of... I, I just we just talked about three different types of distortions. We said fuzz, which kind of works on the lower frequencies or emphasizes the low distortion of the lower frequencies, a kind of a crunch, which is more mids, and then like more of like a metal or genty, which emphasizes like the upper mid-range. We're gonna break these down a little bit further into more generic terms here, and I'll show you what this sounds like. This, what I'm about to show you, changed my life. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Now you got my attention. So there's this wonderful website where I get this graphic from. It's actually a website that does, I believe, like acoustic treatment or speakers. Let me see what it's called. It's called Rational Acoustics. So I definitely want to give them mm. a nod here because I'm stealing this graphic from them. They have this gr wonderful graphic called the Seven Bad System Dwarves. Have you heard of this, Ben? I have not heard of this. I'm going to send you the link because you will Please. really enjoy this. I'm going to send it to you right now so you can look at it while I'm talking about it. So this Seven Bad System Dwarves is... This is awesome. Really, 
Yeah, it's 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 uh, a frequency. So there's picture like a frequency um, axis that just goes from 20 hertz up to 10 kilohertz. And they have these seven bad dwarves, they call them, which um, they're saying these are how to recognize problems in your acoustic system or your uh, whatever, but it works for anything. So the first one is tubby, okay? Tubby, and I love these descriptions they have here. Mm -hmm. It says tubby is... Low, slow, and rarely on the go, but a formidable ally for getting a house rockin'. When Tubby gets out of control, he has a bad habit of rolling around the bottom of your system and squashing everything. Mm-hmm. And so they have Tubby drawn right in that kind of 100 hertz range. And and you, you probably know this if you've ever done any mixing or anything. That 100 hertz range is like an important range for the bass, but if you overemphasize it, you end up getting this low end that just washed out and becomes like non-distinct, right? How else would you describe that, Ben? If that's out of control, just like they said, it can roll over everything. It's It just doesn't sound uh, pleasant to your ears. And it can get, and it can be like a really distasteful listening experience on, on larger speakers. Because I think like on smaller speakers, you don't have the low end response, so you can maybe get away with it a little bit more. But as soon as you yeah. get as soon as you get into a car, it's just really unpleasant to hear like uh, a low end that's kind of all over the place. And what I mean by all over the place is too dynamic. It's not consistent enough. It's just kind of like even from a volume perspective, it's overtaking everything else in in your mix. Yes. That's one problem is I think you're right. Like it's too dynamic where like stuff will jump out and all resonances. But the other problem you have, especially listening in rooms, and I've had this problem with guitar amps in small rooms, is like you get that standing wave where like mm. once you ring like Yesco on our on when Yesco was a guest on this podcast, he called it like ringing a bell. When you ring that frequency, it doesn't decay for a little while. And so like it washes out the things that come immediately after it. And that Mm. can be really frustrating. Great point. So that's the first one is tubby. The next one is muddy, which is, and in fact, you know what, let's, let's, since I have examples, I'm going to play them as we're talking about them. But what I did was I took, I took pink noise. Pink noise is just, equal uh it's just it's like a bunch of noise that has all the frequencies with equal power for each octave so here's what it sounds like by itself all right and i'm gonna what i'm gonna do is i'm as we talk about these these different tonal types so first one is tubby i'm just going to emphasize with the eq and this is what i said really like this exercise and i had to do it for a while this is what finally got me to be able to hear equalization and instead of hunting around for frequencies, be able to identify them like an ear training uh, exercise, be able to identify that's at least the ballpark, right? Yeah. That's somewhere around 500 hertz or whatever. So this is a very helpful exercise to do and you can do it with whatever tools you already have in your DAW. So here's, um, here's Tubby. is normal that's that's tubby and the way i like to remember that one is like machinery rumble in another room that's what it (laughs) kind of reminds me of you know what i thought of i thought of that sounds like a train on the train tracks coming from like a mile away yeah yeah a train from far away exactly the next one is muddy muddy is in that 250 hertz range And I love this description again. It says, uh, while it is true that Muddy can be warm and embracing when you first meet him, Muddy is also the dwarf that always seems to overstay his welcome. And (laughs) the, the descriptor here that's, yeah, the descriptor here that's really good is sure you can hear him, but what is he saying? And that is, that is a great, uh, definition of that. So here's what that one sounds like. without it next one is boxy 
Okay, and this is a great description as well. Boxy is the one that sounds like a cardboard box. And it says, given the chance, Boxy would remove all letters from your system's alphabet besides the vowels A, O, and U. <laughs> and um, here's what that one sounds like. Interesting. Um, I might be taking the words out of your mouth, but I can even hear it in the pink noise. It sounds to me like I'm in a very square uh, enclosed, very like square shaped geometric enclosed space with like no treatment, like nothing on the walls, no furniture. Hmm, interesting. That's what I, I think I, of as boxy. I think of it as like a, tele, like a telephone. Like if I were to hear, when I hear a guitar that sounds like I'm hearing it over the telephone. Mm. For some reason, I associate that as like uh, as as a as like a boxy 500 hertz okay. range area. I wonder if that's the same frequency or in a similar area as like putting your ear up to a seashell, and they say you can hear the ocean. Ooh, I feel like that's a very yeah. similar type of effect you get. That is a great one. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. You're actually hearing like, you know, whatever you're hearing there, your blood flow or whatever else. But I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think that's a nice example. Nice reference for 500 hertz for sure. This next one is honky. Honky is, the, I like to think of as like a nasally, like a really nasally voice, right? Mm -hmm. is, is how I think of it. So I think of like a guitar that's playing through its nose, I think of as honky. And here's what that sounds like with the pink noise. That's an important one for guitar, mm -hmm. as we'll see. Hey, but before you move on to that, I will say about bass, yeah. like that's a very important frequency range for bass. Which one? The barkiness. That 900, okay. 900 to, what do they say, 1.2K? That I would say that that's primarily where I'm trying to get high-end definition out of a bass tone. So you can go overboard with it, but that's kind of where... If you can't really hear a bass in a song, the problem might not be that it's, it, it might be plenty loud enough. It just might not be, it, it might be that you don't have enough bark, air quotes, in your tone. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's, that's good to know. I do, I do like looking in there for bass as well. Um, for guitar, also, yeah, for guitar also. I mean, th this is where it depends on like, you have to listen for, for what you're trying to do. Uh, these two can do similar things to you in terms of edge, but this edgy one from 2K to 4K is really where I think about like sharpening a knife. Yeah. And you can overdo it. If you overdo it, it'll literally be like stabbing yourself in the ears. But if you have a tone that's a little dull, it can open it up. Yeah. Or it can sharpen it up nicely. So here's what that one sounds like. Oh, yeah. Even the infographic, I love it. It's it's this angry dwarf sticking a microphone right into a speaker, and it, <laughs> if you've ever heard horrifying feedback, that's like the first place that the feedback happens. It's in that frequency spectrum, and it's just hmm. so ear splitting. It's, it just sounds like icicles in your ears immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got to be careful with that one. And the final one is sibilant. This is sibilance, S's, T's for vocals. And for guitars, it's less relevant for guitars, I would say. And I'll, the reason why, I will just say it now, is that typically your cabinet and your speaker will have a natural roll-off of high frequencies. And so um, typically it'll roll off things that are this high anyway so you don't usually run into we don't think about sibilance a lot with guitar tone um would you agree with that yeah i would say so the, maybe the one place that you can hear this on guitar is the string noise from moving your hand on the string hmm. especially on acoustic guitar you'll get stuff yes. way up there so something to watch out for great point great point yeah i have run into that with acoustic guitars and finger noise you're absolutely right 
Um, so yeah, let's just play sibilance real quick and then we'll move on. Here's what sibilance sounds like. Oof. Yeah. I feel like that's the best descriptor because it almost sounds like you recorded yourself going in the background. <laughs> it sounds exactly like what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that one really does sibilance. I mean, that's why you you see the joke, right? Like the MC will come up on the mic and go sibilance, sibilance. Yeah. Because the word sibilance has a lot of sibilant sounds in it. Yeah. So now that we know that, I want to mention quickly here that when we talk about sculpting your tone and we talk about these ways to push tone, there's of course the question of where do you do it? Do you just EQ your tone after it's recorded or do you EQ it going in? And this is a bit of a matter of preference, but I will tell you that in my experience, you get better control and results applying the sculpting EQs right before your main distortion stage, right? And if you kind of think about it, that makes sense because once you've distorted that signal, we've talked about you're adding all that harmonic content, the impact your EQ has is going to be, well, it's less shaping what's going into the distortion and more just like tweaking what's already come out of it, which is a weird way mm. of looking at it. But I think your major tonal shaping should happen ahead of your main distortion stage. What do you think about that? I don't know if I've ever approached it that way, so I'm interested to try it. But I don't disagree with you there. Because if you think about it, if you're pushing tone, and actually I have an example of this. When we get to the examples, I'll point that out again. But if you're pushing mm. tone through your distortion pedals that you plan on EQing out later, that tone is affecting the way your amp is responding and speakers are responding. So you might be getting something that doesn't sound as pure or as good as it could be or something that's just in the way or interfering with what you're trying to do. So that does make sense to me. Yeah, and I think, I guess the caveat here is if, if you're trying to sculpt your tone, this is how I would do it. Because of course, when you plug your guitar into, um, into your amp, a lot of times that EQ stage, I think, is actually downstream of the preamp. So, mm. you know, you should do as, as much as you can with what you have. So I'll, I'll use that as a caveat. You don't have to do this. But if you're finding, like, I have this guitar and I have this amp and I don't want to spend money on gear, but my tone is too honky then the way I would resolve that is by using an EQ upstream of your preamp stage, mm. right? Rather than trying yeah. to fix it in the mix. I would try to sculpting it first. So I, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good point, Ben. I think it's a, it's a corrective action we're talking about, not necessarily um, how you would approach it every time. Yeah, I do agree with that. Cool. So what I did... I'll run through very quickly here, just those same seven dwarves, <laughs> but with the actual guitar tone. So I just took that DI I had before and I just put like an amp sim. I just put it through an amp sim. Okay. I didn't really spend a lot of time on this, but here's what it sounds like. So what I'm going to do is do the same exercise we just did. I'm going to EQ the tone going into that amp sim. How much are you adding in each area? I'm, that's a great question. I'm adding like upwards of 10 dB. Oh, so a lot. Okay. A, a lot. I really want people to be able to hear it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I want it to be super obvious. So I'm going to, I'm going to play it each time. I'm going to play it once through. And then the second loop through, I'm going to add the, uh, the EQ. So our first EQ is that uh, tubby one, the tubby EQ on the on the low end. So here's what that sounds like. You can kind of hear it at the end there on the chugs. Yeah. But I think when I recorded that DI, 
I probably high pass filtered it is what I'm guessing. So I don't think I have anything down. I'm, I mean, I'm boosting at like 80 hertz and I probably don't have a lot of information yeah. down there. I mean, you're probably only going to hear that on huge speakers or in your car because that's really just air that's getting moved by your speaker at that point. Right. Especially if there wasn't much information there to begin with. Uh, but this next, these next couple will be a lot more obvious. So this next one is muddy. Let's hear what that one sounds like. So I love that because the description was sure you can hear him, but what is he saying? And you, <laughs> that's yeah. perfect because yeah. you can just hear like a. Ooh, and that's it's just like overpowering what else is going on mm -hmm. all right here's honky here's honky is also the name of my debut hip-hop album <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> That is terrible, but it also kind of sounds like a wah effect at the same time when it first comes in. I Yeah, you're absolutely right. It does sound like a wah effect. Um, all right, next I have 1000. This is that nasally one. Check this one out. Interesting. Yeah, you can kind of hear it. it's like, ah, it's just got that really kind of nasally sound. But that's an important one because, again, a lot of times when you're just too dull, that's one of the first places to look is like, can I push some of that nasaliness? And you would not believe like modern metal guitars are so nasally and and scratchy that um, mm -hmm. not that we're, we're not focused on metal here. We, we, <laughs> we would never do that. No, never. All right. Next one is uh, like close to 4,000. This is the the one you got to be careful of overdoing. Not terrible. Um, you said you're boosting at four thousand. Yeah, about four thousand. So I'm guessing the same thing is happening there as with the low end one. There's not too much actual guitar information there to boost. Yeah. Exactly. I think the speaker is rolling off. And also the way I have the mic emulation set up, I think they are rolling off quite a bit there. Let's see if I can boost it a little more, just see what happens. Yeah, you can hear a little bit of, uh, but it, yeah, it's not, it's not that bad, actually. Um, I do think it is being rolled off. And then this the last one, the sibilance one, you hear barely any effect at all because, again, that speaker emulation is really rolling off the end of that spectrum. So here's yeah. that one. You can barely hear that one at all. Yeah. This is a helpful exercise if you're not going to, you know, get this from one time just hearing us play these examples and talk about it but I encourage you to do this on your own just sit down pull up an eq and just start boosting different frequencies either whether it's using pink noise or using a recorded guitar and learn what these things sound like yeah that's a great way of doing it i agree now we're gonna put everything we just learned to use we're going to listen to real tones that don't sound like garbage, that we're actually <laughs> dialed in, and we're going to discuss what they sound like. So where do you want to start, Ben? Let's, let's just go through. Um, these examples, they're not very long, so I think we can blow through them pretty quickly. Let's just start at the top. Yeah. Uh, get out. I don't know if that's actually at the top or not. <laughs> it is. You want to play the whole thing first or just the bass? Yeah, play the, I think it's called intro. Yep. Yeah, play that first. Okay, so I, I just like to get a context of what's happening in the whole band, and then we can focus in on the on the guitar. Cool. 
So I guess from there, let's focus in on the guitars. And I actually had a bass example for this one. So let's just listen to the guitars. Cool. Maybe we can just give our own descriptors of how we would describe the tone and talk about, you know, why we, why, why we would say that. So what do you, what do you think about that, Vadim? I'll have you go first for all these because I'm just curious. <laughs> sure. I would describe this, and this, this is really like the first time I've listened to it carefully, but I would describe this as like a modern crunch tone with some presence pushed. Like I'm getting kind of like that, that crunch that we talked about, like a distorted mid-range but I am hearing presence and that 4K area kind of being pushed. So that's why I'm saying it's like a modern crunch, somewhere mm. between like a classic rock tone and like a modern hard rock tone is how I would describe that. What do you think? That's a great descriptor. I think your, your description is even better than mine because I had, I just simply put like, I would call this fuzz almost and, mm. and very much like a British amp kind of a tone. But I think I was also influenced because um, I know the gear that they were recording on and it was specifically like a British modded amp kind of a thing. But the guitar player actually builds and makes his own um, distortion pedals and he had a fuzz boost going in to the preamp. So I oh, think- really? Okay. So what I think you're hearing- that modern crunch is coming from the distortion pedal that's overdriving the natural crunch you would get. Let me listen to it again. From the I, I, I do, I do, actually, the, fir the first time I pulled it up, I did think more of fuzz, but then this time I didn't. Let me listen to it one more time. Yeah, I can definitely hear that. I can definitely hear the fuzz, yep. I think, so remember way back earlier in this episode, if you're still with us, <laughs> um, the fuzz was like the lower frequencies being distorted, which I can hear here. But I also agree with you, Vadim, that there is some crunch in this just from the higher mid-range being overdriven a little bit too. So I think we're mm. both. I think we're both right, and those are both good descriptors of that. Yeah, that's interesting. Like my ear went to the that upper mid range, but listening to it again with some context, I could definitely hear the fuzz. And this is where, like, yeah, you can have both in a tone. Play the bass example. You want to play the bass. Yeah, let's do that. Yep. Um, yeah, so this I'm hearing, uh, I would call this like a warm tone. I'm, I'm hearing like, um, like a warm mids and low mids, like 200 to 500 is kind of what, what's, yeah. what my ear is jumping out, but it's balanced. I mean, it doesn't, I'm not saying like that as a, like a, like it's too much. Like that's just the focus of the tone seems to me to be over there. Yeah. I like that. I, I used round bottom as one of my descriptors, <laughs> uh, yeah. Also a little bit of hollowness. I use this a lot when I'm describing guitar and bass tones. And I think what I mean by hollow is also, if I look at the Seven Dwarf examples, bon uh, boxy or honky. If there's a little bit more of that tone in there, you get this sense of like um, the bass being, like it almost feels to me that the bass is a hollow body, even though it's a solid body instrument. It's just that sense of like, oh, it feels like there's a sound hole or there's something hollow in it. And I think it's from yeah. naturally those those mid-range frequencies being boosted. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and this is where we get into like these, these things we just described aren't always bad things. And I would agree with you. This is like an intentionally boxier tone and mm -hmm. that, that's, you know, that works for it. So yeah, cool. Cool. Okay, um, I guess we can move on. The next example is Not Yet.
Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the first thing there is I would, that's what I would call like an overdriven tone, right? That's mm. not a distorted tone, but it's starting to break up. You can hear on like the attack, it's starting to just get a little fuzz around the edges. So we'd call that like an overdriven tone. And I'm hearing that one as also midzy. Also, I would call that again in like not in a negative way, but I would say that's also I'm kind of in the honky, yeah, uh, boxy honky range is where I would describe the rhythm tone there. Yeah. What about you? No, I completely agree with that. And another thing too, I wanted to use that example because I thought it was a, a good example of how the delay and reverb effects can kind of influence the tone as well. Mm. So you get this sense of it being like kind of cavernous or, or a huge space, but that's not coming from the guitar or the amp. That's from the, the um, delay and reverb effects that are on it. Ah, oh, great point. Yeah, because they're, those delays and reverbs are, yeah, they're emphasizing their own frequencies in a sense. Yeah. And so like you're, that's part of what you're hearing there. Yeah, great point. Cool. What's next? Um, so this one, uh, One Day, it's called. Cool. Well, yeah. So there in, in the beginning, you're kind of intentionally low passing the guitar. So it's a lot of like mid range and low end is the only thing there. Then when it kicks in, it kind of opens up a little bit, but it's still kind of a darker, uh, fuzzier type mm -hmm. of, of tone. There's not, this is what I would call like a duller tone. And again, this not at all in a negative way, but it doesn't have that sharp metal edge necessarily it's a smoother rounder uh t type of tone what do you think yeah I, I agree this is actually one of my compositions i wrote this like i think six or seven years ago and i just came across it because i'm migrating my system oh wow yeah and i was like oh this is actually really cool um but on top of that i did something interesting with this song where i picked a completely different guitar tone for both left and right um rhythm guitars so if we play the Ooh. if we play the next example and they're pretty different tones which is interesting because you can't necessarily hear that when you just listen to it the first time so play the next example which i think is stereo guitars Wow, very cool. Isn't that interesting? That's really interesting. Because that this is a very cool trick. And um, using different tones on either side can give a very cool effect. And you're like you said, it's hard to notice sometimes that mm -hmm. that's the case. You just hear like a really cool wall of sound. Mm -hmm. So let's check that out. That's awesome. Yeah, once once you hear them soloed, you can kind of pick that out. Yeah. That the right channel has like has more of that edgy, barky uh, sharpness to it, right? Yeah. I, I think, in fact, and I don't even know if this is my intention when I pick those tones, but um, I'd say the right channel is more scooped, so more emphasis on the low end and high end, and it feels like the left one is a more classic rock tone where it's mostly mid-range, so they kind of... Mm balance each other out nicely in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. That's a great trick. Cool. Great production trick. Let's do this Rage song. This is a more like he yep. heavy metal one. And I think there's like intro or hook. Yep. Okay. Okay. 
great tone. Love it. Cool. To me, this this is what I call I call this cold gent is what mm. I like to, <laughs> to think of that as. And that is really pushing that um nasally. This is where that like 1k range to me is like yeah. when I'm going for this kind of um this kind of cold genty sound, that's where I like to look and I'm getting a lot of that and very little of the uh, boxiness, like it's very yeah. low on the boxiness scale and very high on the, um, like the honkiness and bark scale. I would say the barkiness scale, right? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, let's play them. Do you want to talk about like? Do you know what uh, what amps you're using for these? What amp sims? Yeah, this is actually. I th- I'm pretty sure I use JST plugins. Um, and the amp sim is Guilty Pleasure, and I think it's a high gain. Mm. Marshall, like JCM mm. 800, but high gain version of it. Gotcha. Okay. Why don't we solo the bass on this as well? Because I think it's an interesting example of what I would call like a grind, a, a grind tone on bass. When I think of what a grind tone is, and that's more like the grindcore, that's referring to grindcore type of like metal, it's very much the high end has a very like guitar distortion tone quality to it. Almost as if like, and I think I think the trick to get that tone, at least in the old days, maybe modern techniques have changed a little bit, but you would actually play the bass through a guitar amp uh, or split the channel and have, the, the low end of the bass or maybe the whole signal of the bass go through a bass rig and then you would have a splitter go off and that would go to like a high gain guitar amp. Right. So that's very much what I think of, which is kind of different from a, what I would consider a modern metal or even a metalcore bass tone because uh, especially with the dark glass stuff that's kind of come out in the past, I guess even five to 10 years, that's very much changed the way that like, kind of distortion or high gain bass tones uh or the character of the distortion that that you're going for and i think it's changed from more of a like a a guitar throaty type of distortion to a more i don't even know what uh the descriptor i could use is but it's it's definitely something unique and and like its own type of a thing do you know what i'm trying to say and does that make sense no, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the, the, correct me if I'm wrong, but the guitar amp thing was because there really weren't, people weren't really making like high gain bass yeah. stuff. No, I agree. Right? Back then. And so this is what, this was the workaround. And I'm sure, I don't know, maybe it's just been like optimized for, for the bass. Is that what's happened or what? I very much think so. And I think that like, I think people started realizing that there's actually a lot of character in the high end of a bass guitar. Like, I think you can get more frequency response from a bass than you can from a guitar because the bass can go way lower than a guitar can with like the fundamental frequency. But the high end is almost just as high. And you can even get some higher notes, I think, with like slap and pop or like just the brightness of a pick attack off of a bass string. It's almost like uh, you can get into even higher registers than you can with a guitar. So on some of the bass distortion on modern stuff, I think you can hear some really shimmery kind of distortions going on in the high end. That's kind of a new thing. I think you're right. I think you're right. And um, it is an incredibly important part of of that tone is, is those what's happening in the upper range of the bass. And what you have to watch for is that you're not trying to do the same exact thing yeah. With the guitars and bass. Sometimes that'll get you into trouble. But in this case, yeah, I think the the the, the balance is perfect that you struck here. Cool. All right. So we just have one more example. And this is the one I was referencing earlier whenever I said I have a good example of um, you know, where do where do we apply the CQ in the gain stage, like you were talking about? Okay. Let's play um 
Well, why don't we play the whole song f- or the intro first, like the whole band playing together? Sure. cool very cool so before we go on to any other examples i I just want to hear your thoughts on the tone what are you thinking yeah this so i have to go back and change uh what i said about the first one because this is actually that this is that kind of i would call this more of like the modern crunch even where the one the first thing that struck me was like the definition and the notes like they're it's it's a high it's a higher gain tone but i could very clearly hear the notes and there was just a lot of clarity in the tone so again kind of low on the boxy scale low on the muddy scale and just really nice kind of uh presence um in the uh those like upper upper mids yeah i agree with that so this is my brother-in-law's band he's a fantastic guitar player and uh, he loves Van Halen, loves that sound, but he wanted a more mm. modern version of that, kind of like a Steel Panther. And I mm. really, I really do love, I know Steel Panther is kind of like a joke band, but I love their productions. They sound fantastic. And one of the things I noticed was that I would call like that Steel Panther guitar tone, like Van Halen on steroids. It's like mm. a more scooped mid-range, but a more high gain and like, more definition in the high end, um, but still in that kind of characteristic like 80s metal type of vibe. And so that's what we were going for. But yeah. I thought the interesting thing was, is I, so that version we listened to was the final m- mix on the song. But what I exported was just the guitar tones we got from recording. And I thought it would be interesting to compare and contrast the end result with what the actual captured tone was, because I thought it was really different. Yeah, absolutely. Just one thing there on the, I, I feel like there's also more like low mid extension than like on a typical Van Halen tone. Is that, do you, would you, yeah. would you agree with that? Or am I just hearing that? No, like, no. It seems like a, the guitar extends a little lower. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like we beefed up the low end a lot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. Cool. So, okay. So what do you, just play this whole thing through? The yeah, guitar? the guitar, I think it's, gtr tune is that what it's called the next file uh i see uh intro gtr yeah yes let's do that okay So yeah, that was the captured. That's Mike on yes, his amp? Mike on the amp. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Really cool. But the thing that jumps out to me about that is, oh, wow, that's a much more balanced EQ-wise tone, like a much more even frequency response than the final mix was. And I forgot what we had done with it. So what, what do you think as far as like comparing the two? Yeah, so I, I want to compare them again because I... I need to hear them back to back. Yeah. But off the top of my head, I'm thinking this is the type of this is an awesome guitar tone, mm. but it's probably too busy for a mix. Yeah. Like this is the type of tone I want when I'm just <laughs> playing, trying to play Van Halen sloppily in my room. But in a mix, I would probably need to clean up portions of it to let other things kind of kind of yeah. work. Is that is that what happened? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to them back to back. Maybe I'll just switch back and forth a little bit. Okay. That's a huge difference. Huge difference. You've cleaned up so much of the, again, that mu- muddy, boxy, 
range, you really clean that up to t- and it tightens up the tone and then it lets, it creates some space for the bass and the kick drum, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it could just be like the, the stark contrast between the two examples, but I feel like in the recorded tone, which is the guitar soloed, the boxing in this mid-range was the most forefront part of that tone mm-hmm. and in the final mix version of it that's all been scooped away and so all you hear then is kind of the low mids and then the uh what do we call that honky frequency yeah honky barky yeah yeah absolutely i do want to add on as well that like there's nothing wrong with having a mid-range heavy guitar tone and i think that even a lot more mid-range could have worked in this song, but we specifically decided to scoop the mid-range a lot more because we were going for that more modern scooped mid-range. And also, I thought it fit their vocalist really well because they have a female vocalist, but she is very much a low alto and she sings a lot in her chest voice. Mm. And so it just kind of helps open up the mix when she's doing a lot of the lower verse parts. That get, That mid-range guitar isn't in the way of that. Yeah, which is huge. That's that's a huge consideration. Yeah. So, yeah, very cool. Well, hopefully this helps. I know everybody's got on some some level everybody's got their own words for things. Yeah. But hopefully this gives you you can start developing your own vocabulary a little bit and at least recognize these things and then that should in and of itself just being able to recognize things when you hear them should help you start communicating them yeah that's i don't have anything to add that's great i hope this this helped you guys yeah cool hopefully this is helpful uh reach out to us in our facebook group if you're not on there already go to facebook and search for diy recording guys join our community you can also download our free reminted ebook at howtorecordyourband.com and go to DIYrecordingguys.com. You can set up a free coaching call with us. There's a lot of stuff we're, uh, we're doing, so make sure to take advantage of it. Absolutely. Well, until next time, we remind you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.